This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. The Saudi Blood Money Live Premium event is over. The road to WrestleMania is becoming clearer. And it took me about 24 hours, but I did watch the full event, the WWE Elimination Chamber. I do like the fact that if you are going to have an overseas event, you're not putting it on in the middle of the week at 12 o'clock in the afternoon or 2 o'clock in the afternoon. So I did think it was great improvement that at least it was on a Saturday uh, for personal reasons. I didn't touch this event on Saturday. I was with my family. They're leaving. They're going out of town for a little bit of time. So Sunday morning, I woke up, did a few things, cleaned up, and I said, all right, let me watch this elimination chamber. I had hoped to not have any spoilers, but I made one mistake last night. I was on Twitter briefly reading about how everyone was insulted by Aisha and Seth, Seth, Steph Curry. And then I also saw that Brock Lesnar had won the WWE Championship. So I went into watching it knowing that one factoid. And I, mid- I admitted this on the Saturday show. I wasn't sure they were going to do this. I wasn't positive they were going to put the belt on Brock Lesnar. I'm glad they did. Uh, watching the way it was booked, I thought it was booked brilliantly. I really did. I thought that Elimination Chamber match was awesome on a lot of levels. Now, there are some negatives. The fact that no one on this roster can hold a candle to Brock Lesnar or Roman Reigns is a long-term problem that certainly needs to be addressed. They have not been able to create any stars. They had some potential in that match, especially with Austin Theory, to create him as more of a star. But look, to get where you want to go, which is the main event of WrestleMania 38, and have Brock versus Roman be a mega match, you had to book it that way. You really did. So... I don't really have a big issue with it. I think the long-term problems with the company and building other stars is a separate issue right now because their main focus is WrestleMania 38. How do you get there? How do you make it the most appealing? And there's not a doubt in my mind that having the two titles involved make it more appealing. And I'll tell you why. A guy like me, a wrestling geek like me, is thinking about all the different possibilities. Like, for example, and we'll see, I think, over time on Raw and SmackDown how they describe the main event. Is it a title unification matchup? Remember, a few years ago, in the main event of WrestleMania 35, we had the Raw Women's Championship, we had the SmackDown Women's Championship, and it was winner take all. And Becky Lynch obviously won, and for a while had the angle of Becky two belts. But they didn't unify the titles. Like, they unified it for a brief amount of time, but you saw the way it was booked, that eventually she was going to drop one of the titles. That's significantly different than in the past when it comes to the men's side. In 2001, late 01, when they unified the championship, the old WCW title, they quickly renamed it the world title and the WWF title, they went out of their way to say, we are going to have one champion, an undisputed champion. 
And they did it. As we know, it lasted about eight months before they realized, wait a second, not the best idea. What actually got me back into one of the stages of watching all the Raws and Smackdowns, because I never fall out of wrestling. What happens is I, I maybe watch it through DVR quicker. So there are moments where, yeah, I know what's going on, but I'm not really paying full attention. And then I have spurts where I'm locked in. What locked me back in during the Daniel Bryan era, the authority era, where I was really locked in between 14 and I guess you could say now, but I probably fell a little bit more towards the, I'm paying attention, but I don't really care a few years ago. But from 14 to 17, the event that locked me in, believe it or not, was when I heard that they were unifying the two championships. When Randy Orton and John Cena were going to fight at TLC and they were going to unify the belts. That got me as a wrestling geek kind of into it. I remember buying that pay-per-view, one of the last pay-per-views you were able to buy before the network came around. And so it was obvious they're unifying the titles. There was no storyline really between John Cena and Randy Orton. It was simply, we're unifying these two championships. This is so different. And what I find really intriguing is that there are a lot of different ways you can go with this. For example... This could be similar to what they did with the women at WrestleMania 35, which is we're not really unifying the belts. Yeah, both titles are on the line. If Roman Reigns wins, he's champions of both. He may defend the WWE title at one event. He may defend the Universal title at another event. And then obviously it leads to a world in which he can drop the WWE title, but continue his streak of being the Universal champion. So I think there are some positive booking options with not necessarily saying we're unifying the championship. And it also gives you time to kind of figure out where you want to go. Like, does it make sense to have one true champion who could appear on both shows? Does that work? They trotted out for a brief period of time in 2002 when they split Raw and SmackDown. And then obviously they didn't have a split during the era of the world WWE title, whatever the hell they called it when they unified it with John Cena and Randy Orton. So I think it's, it's good to do that because it gives you options. It's the safest route. If you say we're unifying the belts and then you create one championship belt and you change the name to the WWE World Universal title, whatever the hell you call it, that's it. So I kind of lean towards they're not actually unifying the championships and it'll give you interesting booking options with Roman assuming he wins which he should clearly the other thing I was thinking about and we'll get the answer to this quickly is do you maximize on the Roman Brock feud with a two-night Wrestlemania by saying they're actually going to fight multiple times Saturday night for the WWE title Sunday night for the Universal title now I don't know if that's the best idea necessarily because I think we'd all feel gypped if they split. You know, if you want to do that, you just have Roman beat him twice. And that just puts Roman over in a major, major way. I don't think they'll do that, but it's an option. It's a possibility. So I like the fact they did this. I think that Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar, the feud, it's, it's appealing. It needs a conclusion. But because we've seen it so often, not only at WrestleManias, but so often over the last year, you needed something attached to it that made it different that made it special. And I think this makes it special. 
So I'm glad they did it. I predicted on the Saturday show, you know, Roman's going to screw Brock and it's just going to further their feud, but he's not going to go in as WWE champion. Clearly I was wrong. And by the way, clearly something's up with Bobby Lashley. Uh, I, I assume, I haven't read what the rumors are saying, but just based on the way it was booked, I assume Bobby Lashley was already hurt and they knew, wow, he can't wrestle. We got to get the title off of him. So let's do some kind of storyline with it, which was Seth Rollins power bombing. Was it Austin Theory? Yeah, the buckle bomb of Rollins of Theory into the glass and then injuring Bobby Lashley. So, <laughs> so excuse me. So that makes sense. I actually rather that. I rather do that than just be honest and say, oh, yeah, Bobby's hurt. He's out of the match. I like what they did back in the day. Steve Austin's got a neck injury. Okay, we'll run him over with a car and we'll make it part of the storyline. I actually prefer that as opposed to just handing over the championship. So clearly something's up with Bobby. I think it's also beneficial that it allows the Bobby-Brock feud, which will get a payoff at some point, to remain red hot and strong and interesting without there being more interaction between the two. So I don't know if it's at SummerSlam or next year's WrestleMania, how far out they want to do it, but they clearly can have another Lashley-Lesnar match with a lot of appeal attached to it. I thought the way it was booked, making Brock just a monster, I thought it was great. And, you know, in reality, having AJ Styles get buried is not a big deal. I think nothing will ever truly bury AJ Styles. I sort of feel the same way about Seth Rollins. The only guy who you worry about is Theory, who I like. I'm not even that familiar with this guy, but I like what they're doing with him. I like his shtick. I like his personality. I like how creative they were with the end of that chamber match, with him climbing up and basically going through the chamber. I think that guy can be a star. And I thought they did a fairly good job of keeping him strong. Now, you want to make him a superstar? When he low blows Brock Lesnar, he beats Brock Lesnar. Now, obviously, that defies everything I just said about the appeal of a Brock Roman match. But what you do is you make Austin Theory a megastar and you do it, boom, just like that. They didn't do that. I thought they booked it okay in that of all the guys that lost, he came across the strongest and he needs it the most because who is he? What's he going to be? But I like Theory. I like his shtick. I like his gimmick. I think he's got a chance to be a big-time heel, big-time superstar heel. And God knows the WWE needs to create new stars. Um, I think WrestleMania on paper has a chance to be decent. I'm drawn in by what they've done with Brock and Roman. But the biggest problem they have is that Roman is so awesome, but there's nobody out there ready to knock him off. That's why when they mention, and I love that they do it, how long Roman Reigns has been Universal Champion, and they bring up the names. And it's crazy that he's only trailing Pedro Morales, Bob Backlund, Hulk Hogan, and Bruno Sammartino. And those are all guys that did it, do the math, 35-plus years ago. I mean, Bruno had an eight-year run as champion. That's a different world. Same with Backlund, same with Morales, to a degree the same with Hulk Hogan. And look, I don't think Roman Reigns is ever going to get to 2,000 days, but I'll tell you right now, he's at 500 days, there's no reason for him to drop that universal title anytime soon. That's why putting the WWE title on him and having them be separated is at least a way for him to lose without losing. But right now, I look at how many days he's at it, and I see a clear road to next year's WrestleMania. I don't think there's anyone on this roster anywhere close to being the guy that should knock him off. Now, can you create a star if you're Vince? It's really not that difficult. You know, I haven't watched a lot of NXT 2.0, 
but I've heard a lot of positive things about Steiner's kid. All you got to do is book Steiner's kid the way you booked Bill Goldberg in 1998, if you're Eric Bischoff, and the way you booked Brock Lesnar Saturday night. You do that, he's a star. You do that, he's a main eventer. It ain't that complicated. You know, I think it's more difficult to make a superstar that younger, smaller, Shawn Michaels kind of guy. But when you have a big bruising guy, look, it's booking one-on-one. You saw it last night with Lesnar. Have him destroy everybody. The fans get off on that. So I, I thought the, the main event, the Elimination Chamber, was pretty good. Pretty good. I actually liked it. As far as Roman Goldberg was concerned, it did what it needed to do. I'm not as down on Goldberg coming back this time because it was clear that you just needed give you just needed to give Roman something else to bide his time and continue to make him look like a megastar. They had about a six-minute match. Goldberg gets a few of his spots in. He tries the jackhammer. Roman turns it into that chokehold. Gets Goldberg to pass out. Great. My only issue with Roman right now is the whole abandoning ship on the Rollins feud. I thought they had something good going on with Seth. And maybe what the WWE is thinking is they're actually thinking long-term and they're figuring, look, we need to give Roman guys and feuds to, to bide our time until next year's WrestleMania, and maybe the Seth stuff we can kind of rekindle in the spring. And I'm going to assume that's what they're going to do. And you got McIntyre, who you're going to build back up again, so you figure between Seth Rollins and Drew McIntyre, those are two things that could be interesting, especially the Seth stuff, to kind of bide Roman time. But it's, it's just weird to drop that feud out of nowhere. So... If you pick it up in the spring and you remind people what happened at the Royal Rumble, okay, fine. But you can't just ignore it completely because I thought that was pretty good stuff. Uh, Becky Lynch against Lita. All right, let's, let's just state the obvious here. And I'm not saying this is some weird hornball. I'm saying it because it's so obvious. I'm glad that the women are allowed to fight in Saudi Arabia now. I'm glad that the WWE has convinced them, hey, a part of our business right now is having women's wrestling. We're not going to not have them show up, but it is so overly noticeable. Maybe it's because the WWE and the way they dress some of their women, but it's so noticeable that they have to be completely covered up at these Saudi events. I mean, everybody, Charlotte, Becky, it's just, it's so obvious. And I'm, I'm not saying it sucks or it's the worst thing in the world or it's the best thing in the world. I'm just giving you an observation. Obviously the worst thing in the world is how sexist Saudi Arabia is and how Vince McMahon and, you know, we're seeing the whole stuff with golf and Phil Mickelson, how for money, people have no morals. And that's fine, I guess. I mean, look, who the hell am I to judge? If I'm being paid millions of dollars, am I going to look the other way about how oppressive Saudi Arabia is or how disgusting China is? Like, we see it everywhere. I mean, we see it with a lot of athletes, a lot of politicians, where it's simply, hey, this benefits me. I'm going to look the other way. And you're going to rationalize. So it's funny because the Phil Mickelson story has become so huge. And obviously LeBron in China has been a big story over the years. And the WWE just pushes along with Saudi Arabia. They just don't care. But it is so noticeable. It's not just noticeable in the matches. When they put the graphic up of Ronda Rousey against Charlotte Flair, they put them in completely different attire for the WrestleMania graphic. Like they can't even show a graphic of them showing any kind of skin. But as far as the match was concerned, Lita did a great job. That was a good match. They did a really good job with that. I, 
you know, I know that when they go to Saudi Arabia, there's this, I guess, motivation from the whoever's running the show out there to have attitude error wrestlers. That's why Bill Goldberg's always out there. That's how they got Shawn Michaels years ago. And that's probably why Lita wrestled. You can do this in a good way, though, when you bring back one of these legends. Uh, Lita, I thought thought it was done well because it, it serves two purposes. Number one, Lita did a good job. Two, it's a good match. And three, it continues to make Becky Lynch look strong. And she's a megastar and she's a heel. My biggest criticism of the match was actually the broadcasting. So here's how I took the end of the match. Maybe I'm interpreting this wrong. Becky Lynch is out of it. She's done. She's out cold. Lita's slowly picking her up. And then Becky turns it into whatever that move is. the uh, Basically a rock bottom. Whatever she calls it. And it really came out of nowhere. And then she pins Lita and the match is over. Michael Cole's call of it was just so not exciting. Matter of fact, it just wasn't good. And I noticed that a lot during this event. You know, Michael Cole's been around for a long time. I'm not a Michael Cole hater. But broadcasting is a big part of these events. Jim Ross made big matches feel like bigger matches based on his call. I didn't feel that way. You know, Brock winning the WWE title didn't feel like a big call. Becky retaining the, is it Raw or SmackDown Women's Championship? I don't even remember. One of the women's championships. It just, it didn't feel big. None of it did. And broadcasting matters. Bring JR back then. You know, I know he's lost a step, but the one thing about him is he gives you that big moment. And I think Michael Cole, he's solid as hell, but man, I just felt like he didn't have a big call today at all. Bianca Belair won the women's elimination match. That was obvious. I mean, there was nobody else in that match that was going to win. The Ronda Rousey, Naomi stuff, it was fine. I mean, you make Ronda look strong. She's got her arm tied behind her back. Whatever. It's fine. Ronda Rousey, Charlotte. I prefer Ronda Rousey, Becky Lynch, but we know what they think of Charlotte. She's the greatest. The Drew McIntyre, Madcap Moss match was just a waste of time. And they're just biding their time with Drew, keep him out of the title picture, and eventually he feuds with Roman Reigns. Um, what was the need? Anyone notice this? What was the need early in the event, right out of the gate, for Michael Cole to say, and this isn't on him, clearly he was told to say this, hey, it's a late-arriving crowd in Saudi Arabia. If you notice some empty seats, don't worry. <laughs> I mean, were they afraid we were going to notice empty seats and we were going to criticize it and say, oh, look at this. They can't even sell out their super show. I didn't notice any empty seats, but that's a rarity. I don't think I've ever heard a WWE announcer say, hey, it's a late arriving crown in uh, Jeddah, Saudi Arabia. One other thing, the Austin stuff we do have to address and the Cody Rhodes stuff. So non-related to Elimination Chamber, but certainly big rumors heading towards WrestleMania. Steve Austin coming back is very, very disappointing. It's disappointing for numerous reasons. Steve Austin was the one guy who, when he retired, due to health reasons, the neck issue, was legitimately retired. Like, completely retired. And there have been rumors over the years about a comeback. I remember uh, not too long ago, there were Brock Lesnar, Steve Austin rumors. Never happened. For him to come back now, 19 years, 19 years after his last match, and for it to be in a very kind of nothing feud with Kevin Owens, 
is very disappointing. Like, if you're going to come back, if you're going to make a return after as long as Steve Austin's been away, even if it's for one match, doesn't it need to make sense? And don't tell me, well, Kevin Owens uses Steve Austin's finishing move. Really? You're telling me all of a sudden after all these years at 58, Steve Austin said, you know what? What? Enough. He's using my finisher. What? Why? Because Kevin Owens decided to insult the state of Texas once. So I'm bothered by it for two reasons. Number one, I don't want to see Steve Austin come back. And number two, this isn't the guy for him to come back for. And I don't know if there really is anybody for him to come back to. I think a few years ago when CM Punk was in the WWE, there was a feel of how perfect that would be. An Austin Punk match. Could you argue Roman Reigns because he's the megastar? I guess. I mean, I'll tell you one guy he could come back for, even though the match would be terrible. It's the match we never saw that we all wanted. Goldberg. <laughs> I mean, we, we all wanted Austin Goldberg, and it never happened. Austin retired right before Goldberg came to the WWE. So I know why the WWE's doing it. It will certainly ensure a sellout in Texas. And there will be a lot of Attitude Era fans who say, wow, Steve Austin's wrestling. Let me check it out. But as a longtime fan, as an Austin fan, I love Austin. I don't love it. I just, this is how he's coming back. Remember when Shawn Michaels came back for the one match? And even though that one made more sense, him and Triple H against Kane and Undertaker, was that in Saudi Arabia too? <laughs> I think it was. Um, that was disappointing. You know, seeing Shawn Michaels out there after we were convinced he really retired. It was a retirement match against The Undertaker in the main event of WrestleMania for him to come back. And he was fine. It wasn't a knock on how Shawn looked. Shawn could put a good match together now. But there are moments where it's over. Where it's truly, truly over. And so, I don't know if I'm in the minority on this, but I don't want to see Steve Austin come back. The Cody Rhodes thing, man, I got to tell you, I don't see the appeal of this. And I got people freaking out in my timeline. Lugie's all excited. Oh, my God. Cody Rhodes is leaving. I mean, who gives a crap? Cody's not that good. He wasn't good in WWE. He wasn't that good in AEW. And, yes, it's surprising. If you're telling me, look, this is really weird that he helped launch a company and two and a half years later he's leaving it to go back to the WWE – I would agree it's weird, but what? He's going to come back and it's that exciting. Maybe it's because I'm just not a big Cody Rhodes fan and I'm not, I don't have that much trust that Vince is going to do anything that awesome with him, but I'm not that excited about it. It doesn't really, doesn't really do anything for me to be perfectly honest, but yeah, I guess it's going to happen. I guess Cody Rhodes is coming back. Crazy, man crazy is he gonna come back as stardust that would be tremendous (laughs) and as far as the undertaker going into the hall of fame is concerned great he's a hall of famer we all know that now one quick thing uh just a thought about wrestlemania clearly roman brock main events it and i think most of us would agree roman's got to go over for the second straight year in the main event at wrestlemania he beat daniel bryan and edge last year he should beat brock lesnar this year I think the way they got to end this event, and I I really believe it's actually going to happen based on some of the comments made on Twitter recently from a certain individual, I think the show ends with The Rock. So here's how I'm envisioning WrestleMania 38 coming to its conclusion. Roman beats Brock clean. 
He's holding the two belts up. That awesome music is playing. And then all of a sudden, The Rock's music hits. The place goes absolutely nuts. The Rock comes out. I guess sort of similar to the way, I forget what pay-per-view it was, but the live event last year where Roman won and then John Cena showed up. And it was exciting. It was cool. And so I think The Rock comes out. And there's a, a few different ways you can book this. I was thinking one way is The Rock comes out and offers to shake his hand and say, look, I want to acknowledge you, man. You're my cousin. You're my guy. And then Roman beats the crap out of him because, you know, he's afraid that The Rock's stealing his moment. Or The Rock just comes out and rock bottoms him. And so the crowd goes home happy with The Rock celebrating over a fallen Roman Reigns. I think the only negative to this is it would feel similar to what they did with the John Cena Miz thing where the main event became an afterthought because The Rock interfered and helped Cena lose and Miz retain the title. It's a little bit different because we are going to get a great match. Like, I'm not suggesting The Rock be involved in the conclusion of the match. I think Rock should walk out after it's over. And so you kind of begin the build towards the inevitable. And I do start to think it's inevitable, just not sure when. And that's Roman Reigns, (laughs) excuse me, against The Rock. Now, I wouldn't do what you did a few years ago with Cena, where they have this interaction and they book the match a year later. I wouldn't book it a year later, but I would certainly start the angle now. So that that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking WrestleMania ends with The Rock's music going off. And the, if you missed it, The Rock obviously was at the Super Bowl. We all know that. And someone tweeted at him about, hey, how come when you said the millions of fans, you didn't give us a millions and millions? You know, why don't you do that? And he hinted at, oh, don't worry, you're going to hear that soon. So it got me and others thinking, oh, that's, that's his way of confirming. I'm on my way back. Don't worry. And I do think it's going to happen. I'm just not sure when. Maybe it's WrestleMania 43. <laughs> maybe, it's, maybe it's next year. Maybe timing-wise, it's not a WrestleMania. And we got to keep that one in mind. And that's not the worst thing in the world. You know, maybe timing-wise, the summer is a better time for The Rock and you book this crap at SummerSlam or you book it at Survivor Series. I, It's not the end of the world. Ideally, it's WrestleMania, but look, work around The Rock's busy schedule. But overall, not a bad event. Maybe it's because it took me hours to watch it because I kept stopping and doing other things. But the Elimination Chamber in Saudi Arabia. And the other positive I'll say for the Blood Money event is it felt like other Blood Money events just came out of nowhere and made no sense. This was at least a part of the storyline. Everything about this event felt as if it was on your normal WWE schedule. And if you're going to have events in Australia or Saudi Arabia or wherever you're going to do it, as much as it may be unethically wrong, the Saudi Arabia part, just make it a part of the storyline. That helps out because I think early on, it felt as if it was dropped into the middle of nowhere or out of the middle of nowhere. Anyhow, thanks for listening to this edition of the wasn't an instant reaction, but reaction to WWE Elimination Chamber.